0: And we have questions, lots of questions left over from the previous weeks and new questions. And we'll try to do a mix of both. And uh, interesting questions, you know, practical questions, what people go through, believers go through with believers believers go through with unbelievers, (laughs) Um, and I thank you for the questions, because it causes us also to think, because sometimes we are, we both are caught in this cocoon, cut away from the world, and we do not realize what you go through, the questions you have to answer, okay, so uh, we thank for everyone who sends these questions, because it becomes a blessing to so many. Okay, so this evening we'll pray, Father, we just thank you for this time, this place, for the questions, and we are trusting you for the answers, and we believe the answers are a blessing to so many. Amen. And all we pray as teachers here, Lord, is help us not to err, Lord, Lord. because when we err, others go wrong, Lord. Mm. Help us to be true to the spirit of your word, Lord, Mm. because that is what sets us free. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Yes, Pastor, there. we shall start the ball rolling.
1: So the first question is, uh, if you can just project question number 11. It's a two-part question. Pastor, it's a, uh, he says, how does one maintain a sense of dependence on Jesus? I always love when your wife prays. Sometimes I feel I depend on her on, our, on her prayer. Is that wrong? There is a sense of joy after she is done praying. I take off and pray for about an hour or two. It's like she gives me the energy boost.
0: Uh, technically, it is good to have, to have people pray for us. We will see Jesus asking his disciples to pray for him. We see Paul asking the churches to pray for him. But to be dependent upon somebody else's prayer alone is dangerous. Alone, I'm like I know personally that I depend upon my wife's prayers. But then uh, the thing is that each one need to have a personal prayer life. But uh, in this case. I thank God because the question says that uh, after that I pray for a couple of hours. So it's more like a catalyst. Mm -hmm. No, it is like a catalyst. It's like somebody's faith spurs you, somebody's prayer sets you off. So that way it is okay. We all encourage and edify each other. The only the dangerous is that when somebody depends entirely on somebody else's faith or somebody else's prayer, then it becomes dangerous and that's the lesson Christ was teaching from the parable of the foolish virgins mm. okay they were not prepared when the hour came they realized you cannot depend upon somebody else you need to have your own so that's the issue over there in anything mm. anything ultimately everyone need to be dependent upon God one on one and i know of many pastors that uh, when their children were small and they fell ill when they prayed they got a, they got well they got healed immediately but when the children grew old and of a particular age of accountability and when they fell ill and they prayed nothing happened when god asked them they said it's they need to stand on their own they know enough now Mm. they need to come to me on their own i'm just teaching them a lesson otherwise children will walk on the faith of their parents and it doesn't work like that because simple thing we say is that god God does not have 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 grandchildren grandchildren. Mm. he has only children no, so that is where, otherwise it is fine. You know, somebody's prayer, somebody's faith, you know, otherwise Hebrews 11 does not have meaning. What, what does Abel's faith has to do with me? Mm. It has to do with me when I see his faith, it activates my faith, you mm. uh, know, and Jesus' prayer life activated his, it teach us to pray, mm. you know, in that way. Ma prays and somebody else hears and he or she is Touched by it, and then after it is over, they continue praying for a couple of hours, so that's awesome. Praise God. That's praise God. Mm-hmm. It's absolutely no, no issue with it, unless every time you have to pray, you need somebody to, then it it's becomes, yes, mm-hmm. but then it becomes a dependency. After a season, only after Jesus is lifted up, after the day of Pentecost, the apostles move into a lifestyle of prayer. Mm. They, they do they are not dependent that way for Jesus to lead them, but the Spirit guides them. Mm.
1: Okay. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Just... The second part is, why are the intellectual always going through unrest? They
0: don't have... Peter, you are
1: not getting the questions on the, on, on the, the, on the board. Yeah. Yeah. So, why are the intellectual, yeah, this is question number 11, second part. Okay, Sam. So mm. Peter? Why are the intellectual always going through unrest? They don't have that sense of peace. Millionaires are miserable, but they, but they say they are saved. See, um, the
0: Bible says it's in Jeremiah of God. Let, the, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom, or the rich man in his wealth. You know, the, 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 uh, the book of Ecclesiastic is written to the wise man. Hmm. The man in his own intellect which started. See, there is nothing, nothing wrong with wisdom as long as it is the wisdom of God. Hmm. It does not detach. It, it's subservient to the lordship of Jesus Christ. That is true wisdom. There is something which is true wisdom, but we are talking about the intellect which uh, which actually fights God. Mm. Fights God. Wisdom, like we said, faith and uh, knowledge are not uh, contrary to each other. True knowledge and faith. We saw that in Titus. Remember yes. when yes. we looked at Titus chapter one right we saw in verse 2
1: 1 and 2
0: yeah 1 and 2 you can may probably use an niv or anything in hope of eternal no 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 titus chapter 1 verse uh, how did it go there okay uh, shall i go to niv because suddenly one whole passage is gone from there
1: no, uh, he just put only verse 2. Uh, can you just put verse 1 and 2? One, two, two? 1 and 2 together, bro.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Of the knowledge of the truth, a faith, see, that's, that was what we left. Mm. A faith and knowledge, I don't know what happened when you put 2, that faith and knowledge went away completely. Okay, NIV. A faith and knowledge. Yeah, resting on, resting on the hope of eternal life. Mm. Faith and knowledge are not contrary. Mm. When you have a knowledge that is contrary to faith, You know what happens? You will be miserable. You will be miserable. Let me give you the example from Hebrews 11. Hebrews Hebrews 11 and uh, verse 3, 11, 3. By faith, we understand the universe is formed at God's command, so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible, okay? So there is creation, that's a science, yeah. and there is faith. They go together. Yeah. But when you have faith and evolution, you will be miserable.
1: Yeah.
0: Be miserable. It contradicts each, each other, other. Each other. So the thing is that everything, that, that's what the Bible says, bringing every thought to the captivity of Christ Jesus. Yeah. Christ Jesus is the Word of God. Any thought. The problem with the intellectual man is that his thoughts fight with faith, with the Word of God. It fights with the Word of God, and he will have reconciliation only when he allows faith to triumph, bringing to the knowledge of Christ Jesus. And that's what intellectuals' issues are. That and many, many intellectuals have struggled with that. One of that guys was Solomon. Oh. Okay, he struggled with that, and he ultimately understands it is vanity. And how does he end it? this is the sum total of it fear god and keep his commandments he comes back to the word and says you know what this is the end of it that is the issue with uh, with the intellectual the second part of the question is with millionaires the rich uh why are the rich so miserable right we saw that in first timothy chapter 6 and verse 17 yeah. and also another verse which i want to give you is deuteronomy 818 okay uh Command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, not to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything. First thing is that what wealth does is that, honestly... There's nothing wrong with money. We all need money. Without money, how do you survive in this world? Yeah. Okay, unless God puts us in specific situations, like Elijah, and all that's—it's a rare situation where God does it supernaturally intervenes. But other than that, we all need money to survive. The problem with money is that uh, don't serve money. You cannot serve God and money, and it is such so subtle that unless we are consciously walking with God, we do not even realize we end up being the servant of money than the servant of God. Mm. It is so subtle, so subtle. That is where dependency comes from. It is good to depend upon God, awesome to depend upon God. But when your dependency is on money, Mm -hmm. that is when the problem comes. That Whenever you have an issue, you are looking to God to provide the solution, which could be money or something else. God doesn't have to solve a problem with money alone. He can survive it. Um, He can solve it with different ways. It can be different ways he solves. But every time you ask, Lord, I need money to solve this, you know what has happening? You have become a servant of money. And second, when you are rich, the problem, honestly, when you are rich, it's very difficult unless you have been trained before you really have wealth uh, for it not to affect your spiritual life. Spiritual life is basically dependence upon God. Okay, that's why the Bible says not to put their hope in wealth. Okay, hope in wealth because you suddenly realize. That is what I said. uh, That your prayer life should not be about primarily asking God for wealth to deal with your problems. It's basically it depends upon God to handle your problems. You are dependent upon that. Is grace and Mm. grace could manifest in wealth too. Grace has its many manifestations. Only one of the manifestations is wealth. Wisdom is a part of grace. Many grace for your need. What is your need? And God's answer is grace. And grace can come out in different ways and help you to come through your problem. But when it becomes wealth, (laughs) the problem is very, very dangerous. Okay? What? Because because God provides us, richly provides us everything. And if you come to verse 18, the purpose of wealth, command them to do good, to be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. Why has? If you turn to Deuteronomy chapter 8 and verse 18, if I am right. Yes. God gives us Hmm. the law. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms his covenant which is what you for. First we need to realize is both the wealth and the ability to generate wealth, both comes from God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Both comes from God. So never forget the source. Yeah. It is his. Second, we put wealth in terms of gold and silver. That's primarily wealth. And it belongs to him. Okay, it belongs to him. Like you look into a currency note, it is basically a promissory note. Uh The gold and silver is sitting somewhere else. Uh The government says the gold is ours, you can take this promissory note. In the same way God says, everything belongs to me, it is his. That is why no dead man has ever taken anything with him. Uh It's a simple proof of it. No dead man has ever taken, he has to leave everything behind. Nobody will take anything from here because it belongs to the real owner. It belongs to God. Belongs to God, you know. And the sovereignty, accepting the sovereignty of God over your wealth, and millionaires struggle with that. I'm talking about millionaire Christians struggle with that. And they are not able to live. I mean, if a millionaire, uh, let us talk about a millionaire called Abraham in the Bible. He's a millionaire. He's a really, really rich man. If he has to live in absolute contentment and peace with God, it happens when he surrenders Isaac That's, on the altar.
1: Yes. That's the ultimate.
0: The question to a millionaire, a rich man, is that if God were to tell you, give it up all, will you walk away? Remember the, the, print, the, the rich channel. young ruler? Okay, He didn't ask everybody. Okay, But to him, he realized he's a good man, but he's a miserable man. Just like the question says, he's a good man, but he's a miserable man. You know why? Because he's holding on to his wealth. And Jesus sees that and he says, you know what? Sell it, give it away and come and follow me. He didn't say that to every rich man, but he looks at him and says, you're miserable. You're a good guy, but you're miserable. And you know your misery comes because you're not willing to let go of this. So just, it's, 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 it's one, it's, it's different person to person. And God does tell sometimes rich men, he tests them. Okay. He really tests them. Okay, Isaac is test twice with his wealth. First time he's tested is when famine comes. Oh. Okay, and he says, don't go. And he has to stay. And if he's heard wrong, and if he's goofs up, he will be a poor man by the time famine is over. He would have lost everything. Yes, yes. Okay, but it's a test of his wealth. Will you trust me? And he actually prospers. In so many ways, he's putting his entire wealth on the altar. Second time he's tested is when he starts digging the wells of his father, okay? Because you need water to sustain your flocks. And you know what happened? They come and uh, fill up the wells. He doesn't fight. He doesn't fight. He just gives it away and moves to the next place. Again, three times he has to do that. You know what? He does not fight. You know why? Because his hope is not in his wealth. His hope is in God. And this is basically what happens. God has no issues with giving um, people money. He has no issues with people giving money. But you know what? There is a teaching about everything in the Bible. If we learn how to handle money, God actually is looking to prosper people. You know why? Because the church needs money. People need money. The kingdom of God on earth needs money. Needs money. There are so many activities which needs money. But the problem is God finds it difficult to prosper people because he looks at their end and he says, you know what, if I prosper this man, this man is gone. He's gone. Okay, his man is gone. So God actually wants, so if we learn how to handle money, there's a teaching about almost any subject in life, there's a teaching about it in in the word of God, how to handle it. And if you learn how to handle money, you know what, Money can be a blessing. And that's what the Bible was saying in Timothy. You know? Let the rich man, I like the way NIV says it, okay? 17, 6, 7, 18, 18, yeah?
1: 18.
0: 18 and 19, right? 6, 18 and 19. Command them to do good. To be rich in good deeds. To be generous and willing to share. You know what? If you have money, you can do this. Let me ask you this. Who can do more good deeds? A poor man or a rich man? Sure. Who has the power? do it? The rich man, right? Rich man. A poor man has thousand rupees, let us say. The rich man has hundred thousand rupees. How much more will thousand go to help somebody poor and how much will go hundred thousand, okay? You look in terms of rich countries. Why are, like, let us say, um, I was giving you an example, okay? Uh, UAE, okay? This is because I know personally of knowledge. If you have COVID, if you have COVID, the government ambulance comes and picks you from home and they take you to the quarantine centers. They take care of everything. You don't have to worry anything. It's almost air-conditioned setups, food, everything is taken care of. And then at when you are discharged, you go home. Why? Because they have the money. (laughs) In India, (laughs) we don't have the money. Okay, so a nation which has money is able to take care of its citizens much better than a nation that is poor. In the same way, in the kingdom of God, a poor man is not such a great blessing. while a rich man can be a blessing. That's what the Bible is saying. Command them to do good. It is not advise them. It's yeah. not counsel them. Mm-hmm. It's a command. Why? Because the wealth belongs to God. Mm-hmm. You'll have to give an account to be rich in good deeds. To be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay a pressure for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age. You know what? What is basically, I mean, I basically look at it and says, you know, because you learn to handle God's resources on earth, he says, in eternity, you can handle mine. I'll put you in charge of that there because you proved yourself. You're a good steward of riches. The, eternity is going to be like, we do not know what eternity is like. I don't know. Opener, yeah. It's going to be an eye-opener. <laughs> so who have been good stewards of God's Uh, money over here, God's resources over here. He says, I can put you in charge of my resources over there Mm. because you proved your stewardship. Okay. So we do not know in so many ways we are preparing ourselves for eternity in whatever we are majoring in. Mm. Okay. Majoring in, we are preparing for eternity. That's that's one question. Yes, Pastor Vijay.
1: Pastor, uh, I think one more question in this regard is, Mm. I think it's again related to faith. Mm. Uh, It's question number 10. Um, says, would you say that faith is paired with rest? Mm. Would you also explain presumptuous sin? Presumptuous sin is a huge,
0: huge topic, but I'll try to put it across as in simple terms. But faith is paired with rest. You cannot walk by faith and be not at rest. rest, They go together. It is not impossible. It's impossible to walk by faith and not to have rest. If you have faith, you have rest. If you have faith, you have rest. Okay. If you have no rest, you have stepped away from faith to sight, faith to sight, oh. Okay. because with sight comes unrest, because in sight, uh, you realize you do not have control, and that's why in sight, people pursue primarily, they pursue either wealth or they pursue power. Because it is through wealth and with power they try to control their circumstances. But in life you will meet so many situations where the power nor wealth can handle. But mm. in life, a believer will never face anything which faith cannot in handle. Impossible. it's no condition yes. that Amen. you can meet which faith cannot handle. Because yes. faith yes. accesses The very power, Power grace of God. And Mm -hmm. that's why the Bible says all things are possible to him that believes. Mm. Okay, Faith in your situation. Not that the man should go and do try to do everything. No. Whatever is on your way, faith can handle it. And that's the whole record of the Bible about by faith, how people did stuff. It was faith. But if you look at, I mean, honestly, look at the walls of Jericho Mm -hmm. or the crossing of the Red Sea, these two things. Let's look at what are the logistics by sight? Mm -hmm two million people, flocks, crossing the Red Sea. Even today, it would be a gigantic task, project, (laughs) project, to let them cross. And with an army breathing on your back. Mm. It's impossible. Can you imagine the logistics? I'm not saying it is not possible by sight, but can you imagine how difficult that project is, crossing the Red Sea, but by faith? It's so easy for God. Mm. Same thing, walls of Jericho. Mm. That time, no gunpowder. No gunpowder, okay. And these walls are massive, massive walls. Think about the logistics of an unarmed set of people. Practically, they don't have, really have arms or anything. How are they going to bring the walls down? How are they going to breach the walls? How are they going to take the city? With sight, the logistics are impossible. But by faith, I mean, just think about faith. you march around and the walls just fall down, okay. So that's what the Bible is talking about. So when you have faith, You have rest. You have rest. And they always go together because it's a spiritual rest, meaning I am only called to obey. The results are in God's hands. So you cannot have faith without rest. The results are in God's hands. Joshua can only get the people to march seven days. He cannot bring the walls down. But because God has said, I have given it to you and it will come down. He can march and rest. March and rest. So they are, they are, they go together. Then when it comes to presumptuous sins, let us go to presumptuous sins. Numbers 14 first time? Yeah, I have a, uh presumptuous sins, okay. Numbers fifteen. 15, 15. Okay, it gives verses thirty to thirty-six. Let's read from thirty presumptuous sins. And then Psalm nineteen, twelve to fourteen. Mm-hmm. Anyone who sins defiantly, whether native-born or alien, is that NIV? Okay, put it in NKJV because you have that word. KJV also is fine, okay? This is NKJV?
1: Yeah, it's 30%, yes. Okay.
0: But the person who does anything presumptuously, whether he's native-born or a stranger, That one brings reproach on the Lord, he shall be cut off from among his people. Because he has despised the word of the Lord, and he has broken his commandment, that person shall be completely cut off, his guilt shall be upon him.
1: Mm.
0: Okay. Now, while the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man gathering sticks on Sabbath day. And those who found him gathering sticks brought him to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation. And they put him under guard because it had not been explained what should be done. We'll see. Basically, you just have the law being given. And this guy goes and just breaks it. Okay. What is presumptuous sin? Okay. If you go to Psalm 19 and verses 12 to 14. Then the,
1: yeah.
0: Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless. And I shall be innocent of great transgression. Right. Okay. Now, if you look at it, uh, presumption sin begins in the garden. Yeah. Right.
1: It
0: Begins in the garden. He was deceived. Adam was not. Adam was not was not he knew he knew okay so what is presumptuous sin is that you know what is said you have the knowledge of the light of the truth but you ignore it because you presume the consequences won't follow that is the thing you Mm -hmm. presume the -hmm. consequences follow you will see another situation in numbers 14 again it happens over there Numbers 14, that is after God told Israel not to, go. not, to not to go. It's over. You're going to wander over here for another 38 years. Okay. And Numbers 14 and verse 40. 40 onwards. They rose early in the morning. Okay. After God finished their time is up. God has had enough with them. Okay. He says no more. You'll wander here. I'll take care of you. You'll wander here, but you'll not enter the promised land. Hmm. Here we are. We will go up to the place where the Lord has promised, for we have sinned. <laughs> Verse 41. Moses said, Now why do you transgress the command of the Lord? For this will not succeed. Do not go up, lest you be defeated by your enemies, for the Lord is not among you. He says, He is not. He said, No more. The Amalekites and the Canaanites are there before you, and you shall fall by the sword, because you have turned away from the Lord, and the Lord will not be with you. But they presume, presume to go up to the mountain top. They pursued. What happened? Nevertheless, neither the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, nor Moses, departed from the, the camp. camp. And what happens? Then the Amalekites and the Canaanites who dwelt in the mountain came to attack them and drove them back as far as Horma, And they were defeated. Verse 46, will say, right? They were, yeah, 45. Yeah, they were defeated. Yeah, all the way. Sorry, all the way till Horma." They were defeated. Now you will see this is the same thing that in this case, Moses didn't go, the Ark of the Covenant doesn't go. Oh. You will see the same thing with Hopnia and Phineas during Eli's time. This time they took the ark, but God did not go. They were presuming, they were presuming consequences will not follow. And this is the danger in which we are caught. You see. In the old covenant, there was no provision for presumptuous sins. there were provision for sins of ignorance, yes. but there was no um, atonement for a presumptuous sins that you know what you are supposed to do and you don 't do it and think nothing will happen. God there was no provision for that okay if you turn to psalm thirty two verses one to seven okay thirty two one to seven i don 't want to leave you depressed so I'm giving you this. Blessed is he whose transgression yeah just let us have words on whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man whom the Lord does not impute iniquity, in whose spirit there is no deceit. When I kept silent my bones grew old through my groaning all the day long. For day and night your hand was heavy on me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer. I acknowledge my sin to you and my iniquity I have not hidden. I said I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the iniquity of my sin. For this cause everyone who is godly shall pray to you in a time when you may be found. Surely in a flood of great waters they shall not come near him. You are my hiding place. What is David talking about? His entire sin with Bethsa was presumptuous sin. Yes. It's presumptuous sin. Okay. Though there is no atonement in the law for presumptuous sin, David is a man of grace. He understands what law cannot do, grace does. So he cries. The hand of God is heavy upon him. And he cries out to God. And God forgives him and restores him. Okay, but there's a warning in the New Covenant. It's in Hebrews chapter 10, mm. verses 26 onwards. Hebrews 10, 20. verse 26 onwards. Okay, For if we sin willfully after we have received the knowledge of the truth, this is presumptuous sin. Mm. Okay, now I will tell you the danger for believers in our churches. <laughs> it is not that we sin willfully. We all do sinfully and we need to be very careful about it. Second thing. The sin of ignorance can be a sin of presumption when you choose to be ignorant about the things of God. Okay? Okay? I'm telling you, the GTC Hyderabad, there's teaching going on on every subject. But people in the church refuse to study, refuse to listen, even when they have time. You know what it becomes? The sin of ignorance. ignorance becomes a sin of presumption. A man in a church who was faithful to his church but the church did not have a teaching ministry would be better off before God than somebody who's in a church where the teaching ministry is powerful because he cannot say, I did not know. God said, no, you presumed not to know. Mm -hmm. If you want to really want to look at a study on this subject, go read up C.H. Spurgeon's, one of his messages in 1957 or 67 about the, the, the sin of presumption. It's very, very powerful, very, very powerful. And you know what? When we stand before God, believers stand before God, when we are going to lose our rewards, it will be for the sin of presumption. presumption. It's not the other sins. For the sin of presumption, I believe, boom, our rewards will go. I still do not believe unless it's we become a reprobate. We do not lose our salvation. But I do believe we will lose our rewards. That's Hebrews ten. Okay, let's go. There is no longer remains a sacrifice for sins.
1: Why? Because yeah, for but
0: a certain fearful expectation of judgment and fiery indignation, which will devour the adversaries. Okay, anyone who has rejected the of Moses' law dies without mercy on the testimony of two or three witnesses. witnesses. Of how much worse punishment do you suppose will he be? thought worthy, who has trampled the Son of God underfoot, one, counted the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified, a common thing, and insulted the spirit of grace. For we know him who said, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again the Lord will judge his people. So when Corinthians 2 actually talks about, you know, okay, so Now we are moving from the morning message from the goodness of God to the severity (laughs) of God. Peter was was very much touched, so the worship was all about the goodness of God. Maybe tomorrow morning he will (laughs) sing on the severity (laughs) of God. Okay? (laughs) First Corinthians chapter 3. Okay? Verse 12. Onwards, twelve to fifty. Okay, mm. if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, wood, hay, straw is presumption. Mm. Wood hay is presumption. <laughs> okay, is presumption. Honestly, wood hay, hay straw is presumption. It won't last. Mm. It is presumption. And honestly, all of us are guilty of presumptions. Yes. Since yes on a day-to-day life. We think we'll get away with God. I mean, if our works were going to determine our salvation, then it's a work-based salvation. I'm not saying. But our works is absolutely 100% connected with our rewards, the way we deal with our family, with our spouses, with our children, with the people, with our work. We just presume. (laughs) We perceive. Though the Bible says that for every word you utter, every deed, you will have to give an account. And we, we perceive. It's it. fine. Don't we don't believe. believe perceive, no. no. So that's where the danger comes. Each one's work will become clear for the day will declare it because it will be revealed by fire. fire. And we saw there about the fiery indignation of God. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's the talking Hebrews about time. fire. Mm-hmm. So I believe this is talking about because Hebrews 10 and all is written to believers. Yes. God is saying, you know what? On that day, fire will. And that's what the Bible says. Many believers will be ashamed of. That day. They won't even look at his face because you have nothing to stand there to look with. Okay. And because it will be and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it rendures, he will receive a Award. reward. But if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But himself will be saved yet yes. as through fire. Okay. Yes. I mean, it's a building that comes only with the foundation stone. There's nothing there. Only the foundation, you know, you laid the foundation stone, okay. <laughs> Solid, nice stone you laid. Then you built a house over it with wood. Or hay. Okay. And what happens? When the fire comes, the whole thing. See, these morals were taught in the old days through simple stories. The story of the three little pigs is basically this. The story of, we read it all with a huff and puff, you know. The first house fell down, the second house fell down, it all fell down. But when the third one came, it's also talking about how you're, what you're building on the sand or on the rock. So these stories were built on that. And the Bible is very, very clear about you. So presumptuous sin is a very, very dangerous sin. And what James 4:17 also says, yes, it is presumption. We are we more. Know, we know, know. Yeah, we is, know, and is. we do not. Therefore, to him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him it is sin. We know <laughs> okay, all men sitting over here: two bachelors and four married men. Don't we know we are supposed to love our
1: wives? <laughs> yep.
0: Don't tell me. We all know we are supposed to love. Her. And how has Christ loved the church?
1: we well, us yes, we'll go over it.
0: Let's we'll go over it. <laughs> <laughs> And, look, and the wives who are listening, don't do they know they submit to their husbands and all things as unto the law? They know it. But do they? They just go over it. Okay? And children also know that. obey your parents. So, so simply, that's where it starts, right? We know, love God with all your heart, my all. We know that. We say, yeah, it's okay. I love God. God say yeah, you love your dog more. <laughs> you take him daily for a walk, but you haven't talked to me yet. Okay. Honestly, we look at it No, We are so guilty of presumption, sin. We presume a lot of things. That is why God says, my people perish because of lack of knowledge. They do not know what eternity is like. But God, okay. And God, in the new covenant people cannot even uh, have any excuse because Lord, I could not. He said, that's what grace was for. Yeah. It, was great. it was nothing I asked in the word. It was impossible for you to do because the power was mine. Power was mine. Okay, think about you know you have a really high um, voltage power line connecting to this house, and then this house has five ACs, everything, and you are sweating over here and saying, "Oh, it's so hot, so hot." And the electricity will and what's the problem with you? You got the power, you got this thing, why didn't you use it? Okay, and that's what the Bible is talking about. This is the age of grace. And the age of grace is the age of power. His divine power has given us everything. Wow. The word everything. First, second Peter, it's chapter one and verse three. Has given, not will give, has given. Has given three and four. His divine power. I mean, honestly, I get scared <laughs> when I saw that question. Hey, God! I mean, there's questions you don't want to answer. Right? You don't want to answer. Somehow As, we have this.
1: grace will some th- of Yeah, no, that is the. There are the grace.
0: One thing is yes, we are the grace. The the parts of grace. You no, know, one is grace is the we are forgiven from the penalty of sin. Second is grace saves us from the power of wow. sin. Third, grace causes us to work hard for God. Three, grace makes us ultimately a giver of everything mm. that we have. Our entire life is poured out, as say. This is all the work of grace. His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. It's mm. already given which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these, you are partaker of the divine nature. Promises are there, faith is there, grace is there. And God says you can. And what should scare us is the daily readings we get every day. <laughs> boy. None of us honestly will probably <sighs> never go through even a fraction, fraction of, of what one. those people go through, but look at their faith. Oh, look at their faith and how they stand in China and North Korea
1: in Africa. How they stand in faith. You know, and that's what God is the talking faiths about. that they want to pray that King Jong-un will be, will be, will be converted. <laughs> 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 that, that is, that is unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> oh boy. Oh. So
0: that was a tough question for us, not the answer. So okay.
1: this, this is question number 12, Pastor? Yeah. Uh, this is, uh, again, got to do with uh, um, so many uh, things in the church. Question uh, number 12, 12, yeah. Yes, okay. Uh, today, I I messed up in an argument with uh, a person from the Pentecostal Fellowship. Mm. He was saying it was not biblical that girls should wear any ornaments, okay. even earrings, even wedding rings, mm. and wear any makeup. Okay. He said that it is written in the Bible that women should not wear anything. Okay. anything is dangerous, okay <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, you basically
0: say, uh, of none course. of these ornaments and i
1: and I was arguing with him, sir, is it wrong in the sight of the Lord for girls to wear ornaments or get a little bit ready for themselves, sir, then why do we have desire to be presentable?
0: okay, first, let us look at the portions from where this gentleman is coming from, okay, we will base it on scripture, and we will base it on on. Context. First, we go to Timothy. Yeah, These okay. two places are first in Timothy and in Peter. Okay, First Timothy, chapter 2, and verse 9 and 10. In like manner also, women adorn themselves in modest apparel with propriety and moderation. Okay, look at that. The key word is moderation. Bible will entitle us all teach moderation don't be extreme don't be extreme extreme leads to different issues which becomes more dangerous one is legalism legalism it it, it goes to another thing what we call elitism elite churches are there we we are the only good church we are only the pure church only our denomination is going to heaven we are the sanctified ones it will lead to that so we need to be very very careful about that we love by grace and grace alone. So we do not move into legalism. We don't leave into elitism. Okay. The key word is mo- moderation. But look at what he's saying. Not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly clothing. Mm. Okay. Costly clothing. But which is proper for women professing godliness with good works. So go back to verse nine. Okay. Basically. And we we'll can look, look to Peter. Peter also says the same thing. That means Paul said it. Peter said it. That means the Holy Spirit is confirming. Something through two witnesses. Not one, two witnesses. Okay, mouth of two witnesses. Two different witnesses. Each one doesn't know what the other is writing. And they're writing the same thing. It's not Paul is on a phone with Peter and consulting. I'm writing this, don't God do it to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they don't even see each other. Okay? Mm-hmm. That's how God is doing it. Probably when Peter is writing this, if I am right, maybe wrong, Paul is already dead. Mm. It's already with, I think Peter was executed after Paul. Okay, if my memory history could Understanding of church history. That they should be modest. Here the key word is modest, propriety, moderation. What? For women professing godliness. Okay? That you should not be in excess with these things, with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly. Okay? Now, when they're talking about braided hair, the simple thing is, uh, so women should not plait their hairs? No it is all the decoration with the Gentile women used to do hair was their glory. Remember, mm. the Corinthians talk about the glory of woman with hair. Mm. So whatever they could do with the hair. Mm. Okay? So if you are so glorious about your hair, okay, it could be braiding, it could be letting it loose, it could be all kind of things you could do. So it is not Primarily talking about not plaiting your hair, but decorating your hair to draw attention to it. You are a godly woman. Your attention should not come from this or gold or pearls or costly clothing.
1: Okay,
0: costly clothing. So it is. It is. So you can have a Pentecostal lady who doesn't wear any gold and goes for a wedding wearing a fifteen thousand kanjipuram sari.
1: Nobody asked that. Nobody asked that. Nobody asked that, okay. So,
0: the whole question is moderation, okay. Then go to Peter.
1: Okay.
0: Chapter, first Peter chapter three, okay. Verse three, okay. Let your adornment be mere do not let your adornment be merely outward meaning. It does not say that you should not have you should not look like something what we say in English. The cat brought it on a wet night you know the cat is dressed. he brings his rat over there you no know? should not look it should be presentable because God made uh, made us that way okay everything about god's universe is beautiful. Okay. Both and men and, women, and right. the woman is the best. Yes, it's the prime right. creation of his. He created, you see, yeah. <laughs> like I said, he made man out of dirt, woman out of mm-hmm. prime rib. Mm-hmm. Because she is the finesse. finesse what, what is the word? The finesse. Finesse of God's creation. That's why they, are, they always want to dress up. Because God made them that way. God made them that way. So we are not so I don't can't say we men also have changed these days, okay? So but I'm talking about women are much more because God created them that that way, okay. But let not your adornment be merely outward, arranging the hair, was talking about braiding, okay? Arranging the hair, wearing gold, putting on apparel, okay? Fine apparel. Rather, let it be the hidden person of the heart with incorruptible beauty. So it is not this is talking about moderation. Moderation. The problem is legalism takes it and then makes a lot of it, that wearing gold is wrong, wearing ornaments is wrong. Then the fundamental principle should be said. Let me give you principles in the Bible so that we understand. Turn to Ezekiel chapter 16 uh-huh. and verse 8. Then Song of Solomon 1, 10 and 11. When I passed by you again and looked upon you, indeed your time, the time of love, was the time. So I spread my wing over you, covered your nakedness. Yes, I swore an oath to you and entered into a covenant with you. And you became mine, says the Lord God. Yeah,
1: go further down. Verse nine?
0: Nine onwards, yeah. You'll have to quickly go through Peter. Then I washed you in water, thoroughly washed off your blood, anointed you with oil. And verse 10. I clothed you with embroidered clothes, gave you sandals of badger skin. I clothed you with fine linen and covered you with silk. See, look at how God does it. I adorned, you I adorned you with ornaments, put bracelets on your wrists and a chain on your neck. I put a jewel on your nose, earrings in your ears and a beautiful crown on your head. You see, now God is not saying literally he did it, but he uses the imagery. He uses the imagery. He okay, uses the imagery. And then, let's go to Song of Solomon. Chapter 1, verse 10 and 11. Then Isaiah 49. Your cheeks are lovely with ornaments, your neck with chains of gold. We will make you ornaments of gold with studs of silver. Okay, Isaiah 49 and verse 18. 10 and 11, yeah. Did we read? so Yeah. Isaiah 49, lift up your heads, look, and see all these gathered together come to you as a love, says the Lord. You shall surely clothe yourself with them all as an ornament and bind them on you as a bride does. Mm -hmm. Okay, bride does. Psalm 45, verse 13 and 14. This is talking about the bride, Mm -hmm. the bride of Christ, actually. Okay, Psalm 45, 13 and 14. The royal daughter is all glorious within the palace. Her clothing is woven with gold. She shall be brought to the king in the robes of many colors. Oh. The virgins, her companions who follow her shall be brought to you. Right. So what is the Bible basically talking about? Okay. So it's basically talking about moderation. You need to be very, you know, meaning for a wedding you can wear, you can have a couple of expensive stuff and you wear it on special occasions. Special occasions. Okay, occasions. Now, let us go to Jesus. Okay, let us go to Jesus. Oh. Go to Luke 15. Okay, let us go to Jesus. We don't make a law out of faith. The law is the law of moderation. Luke chapter 15. Okay. Verse 22. The Father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe. Best robe. It's an occasion. It's not an ordinary day. The son has come back home. The son has come back home. The day the father has been waiting. Okay? Bring the best robe. Yeah, on only 22. Okay? Don't go to the calf. Leave the calf alone. Okay? Best robe. Put it on him. And what is put on his hand? I mean. This is Jesus saying. A ring on it. And can be definitely sure it is gold and not aluminium. Uh-huh. Okay? Put a ring on his feet and sandals on his feet. Look at Jesus seeing how the Father celebrates the return of the Son. Okay, Return of the Son. That's why I said we have to be very, very careful that we do not make laws out of it. Then, Revelation chapter 1, verse 13. And in the midst of the seven stands one like the son of man, clothed with a garment down to the feet and girdled about the chest with a
1: golden back.
0: Do you think it was cloth or it was gold? Mm-hmm. It was gold. Even he is wearing gold. He's got a crown, golden crown on his head, the bride, all that. So basically the Bible is talking. This is where we need to be very, very careful about it. And then the fundamental principle again. Go to Romans chapter 14, verses 17 to 19. Okay. 17. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. Hmm? Therefore, let us pursue things which make for peace and things by which one may edify one another. Meaning, if again, it says, if one one person's faith causes him to eat only vegetables, <laughs> accept it. Another one's this thing, okay? But there has to be moderation. Mm. Moderation is the key word of be temperate in all things. Okay? So if you belong to a church which says no gold, go buy it. Hmm. Go buy it. If you belong to a church which says it is okay, be moderate, it's fine. But it's a personal decision. It's a personal. There are people who who are in churches where there is moderation, who have heard from God, take a few gold. You wouldn't believe me. Look at my old pictures. I always had a gold band on my neck, but you haven't seen it for the past 25 years. I took it off, and God said, the only thing I have is one. I used to wear it. <laughs> for me, that was my witness, because I used to wear a small one with a cross over there, so people in the airport would say, oh, you're a Christian. So that became a, a sign to be able to start a conversation. Okay? Conversation. Okay? And I still remember when I was called to preach for a pastor's conference in Assam. With the with the IP, I've said this before, with the IPC church, okay? And their um, team had come from the pastors and all had come from all over the state. And the senior pastors who were preaching different days had come, Gujarat and all. They are very, very tough, okay? So I was taken from the inside room. The worship was finishing. Then I was to go in and preach. So one of the senior men of God, he had never seen before. I had never seen him before. I didn't know anything about him. But I didn't realize he was a very senior man of God. He took one look at me. And the first thing he looked at me, I read. And he said to me, if you were in my part, church, I would not give you communion. I didn't say anything. I just skipped quiet. Lord said, don't say anything. Don't say anything. Okay. Then I went in and I preached. So when I went back home, I asked the Lord, who is right here? He says, both of you are wrong. He's wrong because he made it in the law. You are wrong because you were it in his church. After that, God said, whenever they call you, take it off. Because by your liberty, you should not cause somebody else stumble. Because in their church, that's what they have been taught. And you have been given the pulpit because you have a teaching gift. And when you are preaching, there are people watching this. And they will think somebody from the pulpit sanctioned it. Therefore, next week, what will happen? They have forgotten your message. A couple of them wear ornaments and come. And you already started a session in the church. Mm. So that is what the Bible is talking about. There is moderation. There is moderation. That's the rule. When Rebecca was found, Elias did not take a straw and hair and cover her. He gave her ornaments. Okay. He gave her ornaments. <laughs> he <gave> her ornaments. <laughs> Okay, and I do believe, this is a picture over there, no? God doesn't have issues with these things as long as everything. Even when people talk about drinking wine, I'm not talking about alcohol, drinking wine, I will always say that if you wanna drink, fine. But let it be moderate. Everything in moderate. Moderation is a be temperate in all things is what Paul will talk about. The thing is that, yet, if you go to God, you may hear from God. And God may tell you why you should not wear. Says, you can wear. Okay, that's how it works. That it works. These are what we call grey areas.
1: Mm, not we, essential.
0: These are not essential. We don't make we don't make divisions based on that. Mm. Okay, based on that. And this is where like this is ha- this incident is happening in a bank. This question comes from a bank, two believers working in a bank in India. One is a Pentecostal believer. The other is one, if I'm right, who has come from a non-Christian background, got saved. And this is the discussion. But that is not the discussion that should be there. You belong to different churches. Okay? So that is what I am saying. We have to be very, very careful. Us, to whom? To a level of teaching has been given. One, we should not become legalistic. Second, we should not become elitist. Elitism is a great, great danger. Let me give you one more verse. That's also from Romans 14. Those are powerful verses. Okay. Verses one to four, one to five. Principle over there. One's receive one who is weak in faith, but not to dis, not to disputes over doubtful things. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Okay? Uh Let him who eat, eats, despise him who does not eat. Let, let not him who eats, despise him who does not eat. And let not him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has received him. You know? Even in our church, we have lots of people who still have issues with it because they have come from non-Christian backgrounds. So they don't eat a lot of stuff which we eat. Okay, we don't eat like you may be a believer who eats pork products. Another person may come saved from a Muslim background and he will not go anywhere near it. Mm. We don't say anything, you know. We tease them. You need to be delivered. We tease them. Okay, I'm not talking talking about pork anymore, but okay, you may be coming from a Hindu background, so beef is no no for you. It's fine. It's okay. Who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands no, or he falls, false. okay? When it comes to these kind of areas, these kind of areas, we have to be very, very clear. We don't make judgmental statements because the word of God is not very clear about it. The key word is moderation or moderation or about wearing clothes, okay? Like, uh, uh, so the simple thing I would ask to men is that how do you want your wife's hair to be? plaited loose How do you, want you how do you want okay tell me how do you want how do you want your wife's hair to be no she cannot be braided because okay and then it should be loose the problem in the corinthian church of women were letting their hair loose, loose yep. it was a sign of the prostitute mm mm-hmm. she cannot be loose cannot be braided so what does she do cut it off you cannot be shocked. mm mm-hmm. She's in trouble because you have brought the law over there where God has put no law. She cannot braid it, plait it. She cannot let it loose. She cannot shave it. Okay? So, this is the problem. This is the problem. Okay? Mm-hmm. The simple thing is that keep your hair good. It is your glory. Mm-hmm. God gave woman Yes. Okay? God gave woman long hair. Don't cut it because your hair is your glory. Don't cut here The glory of uncut hair. It's your glory. But... Let not your glory come from that. Okay? Without the glory, I mean don't focus on that. Oh. That you attract everybody's attention through your hair or your ornaments or your clothing. Remember, your testimony comes from within, which accords to godliness. Godliness. Okay? So if you are a woman who is convinced, I'm, I'm not, I'm going to be very simple. I'm not going to wear ornaments. I'm not going to wear symbols. If you look at TPM people, the very mission, oh. women and men, when you look at them, you will know that they are TPM. Yeah. And they stick. And you admire them for their discipline. But you meet them, you will see inside, many of them haven't changed. I met all these people who stick to this. But if you actually sit with them and talk, they are anxious. They worry. <laughs> they are stressed out. They can be as nasty as the other one. Okay? Mm. So it is not the outward. Though the outward matters. It it does matter. I'm not negating. Okay, let's go again to that outward things. Principles in the Bible. Go to Samuel. first Samuel. First Samuel chapter 16 and verse 7. The Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as a man sees. For a man looks at the outward, but the Lord looks at the heart. But the problem is both should be valid. Man looks at the outward. Mm -hmm. And when you look outward, your outward should be that accords to godliness. A man cannot look at your heart. Mm -hmm. God knows your heart, but man does not. So the question is, you are a witness both to God and to man. You're a witness both to God and to man. You're both witness to both. And the man cannot look at your heart. So a lot of people who do all kind of crazy things, but God knows my heart. Yeah, but man does not, no. And when he looks at you, he thinks you're a reprobate. You are a reprobate. So man looks at the outward. Okay, outward. And the principle in the new covenant is: in the outward, let there be moderation. Whatever you do, let it accord to godliness. Let it accord to godliness, mm. and they so stick to these very strict rules. God bless them. We are judging them; it's not our business. Each man stands or falls before God. They say no, no ornaments, no rich dresses, dress only in white, no braided hair. Praise God! And they love their life. The Salvation Army people, unity—they go in their uniform. Mm-hmm. My little town in Kerala. Is the center for two big denominations. One is Salvation Army, the other is the Ten Pentecostal Mission. So I have seen them from childhood. I never understood them. Both were in white. One in white and white and the other in white uniform. But they were good people. Yeah. They're very tough. The rules that up. Salvation Army does such good works. Okay? And TPM is very sound on doctrine. But the problem is it's not our job to judge them. To judge them. I remember one of my old, old pastors who was the senior pastor of one of the largest churches over here, he passed away, you No, know? passed away. He told me, Pastor Stops told me, okay, he said, the first five or six years of his mission in India, when he came as a missionary in India, he was in the small town next to my town, Punalur in Kerala, with the A.G.S. Punalur. A.G.S. Kerala is not like A.G.S. Hyderabad, N.L.A.G. Hyderabad, okay? No gold, it's the rule. So he said, they kept... And lived under that rule all those years in Kerala. No gold, not even wedding ring. He, his wife, nothing. Then when God moved him to Hyderabad, they started wearing again. So both you have to balance. If you belong to a church, you're part of a church which says, no, go buy it. If you don't like it, leave the church. Uh But don't stay in the church and be a rebel. Yes, Don't be a rebel. You go to a company. Don't want to change them. Mm, yeah. Mm, you go to a company. Mm. The company has rules. Yeah. You don't like it? Leave the company. Yeah. Don't fight it. Because when you joined, you are told these are the rules. Okay. So balance all these things. There are certain things where the Bible is very clear. Yeah, you a yeah. No, is a no. It's absolutely clear. But a lot of things which are not very very clear. There, God gives us the liberty of the spirit to handle mm. it. But the key word is this:
1: temperate. Yeah. Be moderate in all things. Be moderate, amen. Yep. Okay. Pastor, so another question. Uh, I think it's a long question. We should tackle it though, without. We, we uh, yes, we shall. It's a uh, question number three. Okay. Um, we'll see if, uh, several parts. I think that will take up today's time. Yeah. I had my solid foundation of word. Okay. I had my solid foundation of the word at an evangelical fellowship type of church but they were against the baptism of the Holy Spirit or gifts of the Holy Spirit, specifically tongues, and on the contrary, saw the flaws of some Pentecostal or charismatic movements. While I was a part of it, such as shaking violently, claiming it's the filling of the Holy Spirit, or pushing people to fall back in anointing or forcing the congregation to receive and exercise in the gifts, such as tongues or prophecy, and also violating the scripture, when the entire church will be praying in spirit tongues without interpretation. interpretation. Okay. In either of these, I didn't see the, see full gospel being established. Hmm. Even godly men such as Zach Poonin, John MacArthur or Paul Washer do not believe in gifts or tongues, etc. Okay. There are debates on the tongues that may or may not follow the baptism of the Holy Spirit and all who belong to Christ are anointed by God, whereas Pentecostal movements call to receive specific types of anointing. Okay. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, uh, 12 30, and 14 covers most of the aspects of the above. Acts 19, 6, and when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. Mm-hmm. Nowhere in the scripture is stated people being knocked off or shake violently or roll around or do weird, spontaneous laughing and falling when the Holy Spirit came upon them. And the scripture also states that Paul had laid hands. Paul did not blow or breathe on their face nor push them over to fall. Okay. Several charismatic movements or Pentecostal churches have fallen to trap, to the trap. Bill Johnson's Bethel, uh, Johnson's Bethel has its supernatural school of miracles and seem to be practicing about heresies and throwing students into deep deception. How do we balance the scriptures to believe in the entirety of the gospel as it states in the above? Yes and nay extremes.
0: Okay. Now, it's a huge question. Okay. It's huge. Let's go back to the Go back. Okay. So this is a good way to begin. You should begin in a Baptist church and then go to the Pentecost.
1: Amen.
0: You're solid in your doctrine, hmm. and then that one doctrine they do not accept, you experience it on this side. It's not a good, it's not a bad way. That's hmm. where you should be grounded in scripture. Okay. Hmm. And then they uh, are against the baptism of the Holy Spirit or the gifts of the Holy Spirit, especially tongues, contrary I saw some other Pentecost. Okay, let's go to the next part. Okay. Okay. Such as shaking violently, claiming it is a filling of the Holy Spirit or pushing people to fall back, a pushing part, I know you should not push, but people do fall. Mm. Okay? Or tongues, gifts as tongues and prophecy. But the whole idea let's let's put it across the this simple because we go to scripture and experiential part of this is in the in the book of Acts. Acts. How come every time they were filled with the Holy Spirit they knew? They knew. Why? Because there was a physical Physical
1: manifestation.
0: manifestation, There was a manifestation. Always a physical manifestation. Therefore, especially at Cornelius Place and all, they were shocked that they were filled with the Holy Spirit before they were even baptized. Every time you will see when they were filled, when there's an actual ministry taking place or being filled with the Holy Spirit, there was a manifestation. There was a manifestation. There was a manifestation. Okay? So they knew it. Hmm. They knew it. Okay, so there was a physical manifestation, right, starting right from the day of Pentecost. There was a day of, there was a manifestation. Then when they come, the simple mm, scripture they use is from First Corinthians chapter 13. Okay, this is where, 13, okay, Okay. verse 8 and 10. love never fails but where there are prophecies they will fail where there are tongues they will cease where where whether whether, whether, yeah,
1: there, is whether
0: there is knowledge it will vanish away for we know in part we prophesy in part yeah verse 10 but when that which is perfect has come that which is in part will be done away okay now this is where the whole doctrine of these things have passed away because they take that perfect there and talk it as the word of god is canon is complete that's how they interpret it the perfect has come perfect has come so but the issue is go higher go back to eight or nine okay yeah love never fails where there are prophecies they will fail whether tongues they will cease mm. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. My question is: Has knowledge vanished away? No. Will
1: knowledge vanished. Has to apply to everything. It has
0: to apply to everything. Do mm-hmm. we don't need knowledge anymore? Mm. Okay. Do we need, don't need knowledge anymore? Okay, so this is where fundamentally they were. Okay, so we, you 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 look over. This is where the Baptist Baptists and all the others, John MacArthur, they all godly men, no question. Paul Washer, all godly men. Zach Pernan, no questions about it. Okay, godly men. But uh, Sakpanen, she got it wrong. Sakpanen believes in the baptism of the, the Holy, Holy Spirit, Spanish. and the, he speaks in tongues. Even Shibu was, too. They, they was yeah. mentored yeah. by him. Yeah, Kampunan, the same yes. okay. thing.
1: Um, okay.
0: And uh, he came from the Hebron background, from Bhakt Singh. Mm-hmm. And Bhakt Singh had an issue with gifts because he did, didn't want gifts because primarily he didn't want it to trip tr- tr- him, that pride shouldn't set him. So he just said, Lord, I don't want it. I would prefer not to minister without that. Okay, he was trying to protect himself because the problem with gifts is that you will see a lot of people with gifts fall. Gifts fall. Samson fell because of his gift. Saul fell because of his gift. You think because you prophesy, you think you are you are sanctified.
1: Okay, because oh, yeah. oh, sir, huh? um, I have a question. I issue mm. with that? Yeah. Because everything in the ministry that mm. you use as a gift, whether even if you are teaching. No, there are
0: certain you... gifts which are very visible. Very very teaching is there in the world too but there are charismatic gifts which people do not see it's like the gift of miracles healing. the gift of healing the gift of prophecy the gift of word of knowledge the word of wisdom these are very powerful gifts you know which puts you uh, teaching is something very very common every man of god uh, should have the gift of teaching it's a gift okay but these other gifts are very it can it can touch your ego mm. Can ego. It's very difficult. It That's why some of them decided, you know what, I don't want to go into that trap. If you look into the TV and you look at all these charismatic preachers, are they aren't they very ostentious? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. How did they
0: how did they get into how did that happen in their heads? How did they get into their heads? Okay? Because they did not get the principle from the old from the new covenant, how the apostles had all these gifts, Jesus had all these gifts, and they were very simple people. Yeah okay with a very simple simple that is the rider with the gifts where they're trying to protect but this is what they use as perfect okay when the perfect has come but what is the perfection the bible is actually talking about when we will not need any of these things it is it is rapture exactly is when we are transformed in the twinkling of an eye do we need prophecy no. Do we need tongues? No. Do we need knowledge? You know.
1: no, and, you know, no, no. And, you know,
0: and keep your hand over there. Oh no, you don't have to keep your hand over there. You can go to Hebrews chapter 11. Okay. And verse 39 and 40. Oh. Hebrews 11, 39 and 40. Okay. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise. God having provided something better for us that they should not be made perfect apart from oh. us so one day perfection will come that is not the written word of god though it is perfect the written word of god is perfect and people who subscribe to this doctrine do not realize that there are tens and thousands of genuine believers who do not have access to the word of god still so how does perfection come for them and those who have access to it cannot even understand it how does perfection come just because somebody is given a bible he does not understand the bible mm-hmm. Okay. You go to underground churches, you will realize how many people have access to the Bible and how many people even in India who are saved cannot read. Cannot read. So people do not even see, you sit in the American context and you try to make a doctrine out of it. It doesn't fit in with reality. Mm-hmm. The reality is that perfection hasn't come. It will come. One day when you are caught in the twinkling of an eye, it will be irrelevant whether you are illiterate or literate. Everyone will be literate. Mm-hmm. Everyone will know God. Everyone will understand Scripture. Everything will fall into place. The most illiterate man on earth, when he who is saved, when he is with God, he's not he's not somebody who does not have knowledge. He has knowledge. Then he doesn't need because he understands. No, he doesn't need anybody to teach him. Okay. So that's what the Bible is talking about. Then let's go back to the question. Okay, tongues and gifts. So it has not ceased. Nothing has ceased, okay, okay, yeah, and then about shaking violently, claiming it is a filling of the holy Spirit of okay, shaking violently, physical manifestations can be different, okay, physical manifestations can be different. let us go let us go to the book of revelation, okay, book of revelation, okay. Chapter 1, verse 17. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. Mm. Let me ask this question. When Jesus was walking with John, did John fall? Mm -hmm. No. When Jesus rose again from the dead, came to the upper room, did John fall? No. No. When he was talking with them all through those 40 days, did John fall? No. But now it's a different shift altogether. Why does he have to fall? Okay, so we need to be very careful how we interpret. Sometimes when the anointing is so powerful, powerful, you cannot stand. You'll just fall under the power of that anointing. Okay, let's go to the book of Samuel. Okay. Yeah. For Samuel? Mm.
1: 28 or something, right? Where he gets the anointing, Saul gets the anointing and he starts manifesting. He? Yeah,
0: that's the one. No, Samuel was dead by then. Uh, yeah, twin- 19. Okay, 19. Verse 18 onwards. Okay. So David fled, escaped, went to Samuel at Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went and stayed in nayoth Now it was told Saul, saying, Take note, David is at Nayoth in Ramah. Then Saul sent messengers to take David. When they saw the group of prophets prophesying, Samuel standing as the leader over them, the spirit of the Lord came upon the messengers of Saul and they also prophesied. Mm -hmm. The question is, are they kosher people? No. (laughs) God is supernaturally overruling their will. (laughs) These are crooks. Supernaturally overruled their will and took over and they started prophesying. When Saul was told, he sent other messengers and they prophesied likewise. Then Saul sent messengers again the third time. They prophesied also. Then he also went to Rama, came to the great well, that is at Seshu. He asked and said, where are Samuel and David? And someone said, indeed they are at Nayoth and Rama. So he went there to Nayoth and Rama. Then the spirit of God was upon him also. He went on and prophesied until he came to Nayoth in Rama. He also stripped off his clothes, prophesied before Samuel in like manner, and lay down naked all that day and all that night. Therefore they say, is Saul also among the prophets? Is he on the ground? naked does not mean they naked meaning he took his outer robes off okay the inner vest is the only thing that like you know like David danced before that that's what it means he takes it over okay well, because the anointing is so powerful everybody is prophesying it's an old testament syndrome. and he's lying on the floor so sometimes we need to be very careful about it what happens under the anointing okay and the issue is not the anointing the issue is when people make a display of it oh. That is sure. the issue. They start showing off. Oh, yeah. okay. Then they become like Sai Baba and the magicians and doing this thing and basmum and gold. We don't do that. We are very, very careful about it. Very, very careful about it. The anointing. That is why. That is what I am talking about, where the gifts of the Holy Spirit became a trap for the messengers. Mm. It became a trap for the messenger. And also
1: we don't use it in a church yeah. setting. We don't yeah. use it no, you in can, a church you can
0: use in any setting. Uh, in a sense when, that see, we, it's
1: a prayer meeting. I mean, generally not... not, not no, not no,
0: it is... It, that's where you give the liberty, the lordship to the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit can disrupt an entire worship service and take over it completely because he knows the need. You have to be very careful about it. Though everything has to be done in order, there are instances where the Holy Spirit takes over. And incredible things happen but the whole thing is that we need to be very very careful uh, that one um, we are not using it as you
1: no know, display, to display.
0: second thing when certain things are happening over there certain things are happening over there one it could be deliverance You have to be very careful, okay? Mm. That's why you have to be Some people will weep and shake and weep. You know what? They need deliverance. So don't confuse it as anointing. It's deliverance. That's why you need discernment. They are being delivered, okay? They're being delivered because they have so many unconfessed sins and the Holy Spirit is delivering them. Second thing, those who will laugh and laugh, and sometimes it is deliverance. God is breaking spirits of grief and all that over them because laughter is good medicine. Hmm. Good medicine is breaking it over them. So we need to realize, only thing, everything has to be in control everything has to be in control because when people say I had no control, that is when my issue comes because the Bible says the spirit of the prophet is in the the control control of the prophet. Meaning, and uh, we have seen it in our meetings that you can stop it immediately. You can stop it immediately. The manifestation stops. Everything stops. That's it. It's over. It doesn't go. So there is, because God gives you that control too. So we have to be very. But when you have people barking and this thing, you know, don't think it has anointing. It's deliverance. They're manifesting. Manifesting. They're manifesting. Only thing that don't confuse one for the other. You see, whenever Jesus went into a synagogue, the demons manifested. And mm-hmm.
1: they shook violently. Yeah, they shook violently. <laughs> so
0: some of these things that is taking place, people who oh the man of God laid in it. it's not anointing, it's deliverance. It's deliverance. <laughs> it is deliverance. You have to know the difference. Okay? It is deliverance they're being delivered get delivered. And sometimes, of course, you shake. It's the anointing that's coming. You have no control and you fall under the anointing. When John fell under the anointing. So all the Saul fell under the anointing. The anointing was so powerful. And the Bible is very clear. The Spirit of God came. Okay, Spirit of God. Let me ask you this question. When in the Garden of Gethsemane, when they came to arrest Jesus, when Jesus said, which among you? They asked, which among you is Jesus? He said, I am. Did they all fall? Yeah. Because the anointing was so powerful. <coughs> it's under the anointing. They all fell under the anointing. They're falling under the anointing. Okay, they fall, under the anointing. So anointing, you cannot, I mean, honestly think about this, honestly think about it. If the presence of the Lord were to come here, would any one of us be standing? No way. Yeah, we'll be standing. We'll be standing. will fall under the anointing. God withdraws himself, restricts himself so that we don't get blinded. We don't get killed. We don't fall and break our nose. Okay, we don't. He's the one who's restricting it. But sometimes he'll give us a taste of what it is. That's what, show me your glory. He says, you know what, I will hide you. And you know what? I'm want to put it humorously, God is saying, there is more goodness in my backside <laughs> than in all the goodness in this world. I will let my back pass before it to protect you. Protect you. No, many of these things are to protect us, Mm. to protect us. So we are not, we are not uh, negating any of it, but only also asking, be careful, have a spirit of discernment, because when these manifestations, as we call, are there, it can be deception also, because the devil also can use that to manifest. So we have to use, to see, because... Ultimately, what will stand is not the manifestation, it is the doctrine. Mm. If the doctrine and the manifestation goes together, then it is fine. The doctrine is false, the manifestation is true, it is still not true. But if the doctrine is right, and if there is no manifestation, it is still okay.
1: That's the reason why it's wherever right. Jesus, uh, wherever mm. Jesus mm. preached and the mm. deliverance took place, they mm. were astonished at the doctrine. doctrine. and even St. Paulus, yeah. he was mm. astonished at the doctrine of Paul and doctrine. not at the deliverance per This, the, this thing, no?
0: and but the, and the doctrine was very clear. Powerful. This is a, go preach the kingdom of God, and heal expert. the sick, and yes. cast out the demons. Yes. First, first and second day, I shall do it. And sometimes we confuse. Like I said, honestly, I've seen it, I've experienced it in my ministry. Sometimes people confuse. They could think it is anointing and it is deliverance taking place is deliverance taking place. Okay, and all of us need seasons of deliverance. We need seasons of deliverance. Okay, so let's go back to the question. Let me see if there is anything
1: else. Uh So, there is a continuity to that, actually. Yeah, no,
0: it's a bit in answer. So this, the debates on tongues that they may may not follow the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and all who belong to Christ are anointed by God. Well, well, I mean, the simple question to this is that Jesus was also filled at thirty, <laughs> born of the Spirit, and filled at thirty right the apostles in john 20 he breathed upon them received the holy spirit then he told them wait until you receive power that happens 50 days later right 50 days later so there seems to be two experiences can it happen together yes can it happen in another order where you get baptized in the holy spirit and baptized in water later but there seems to be i mean you cannot refute it you go through the book of acts you go through pattern established by jesus to the apostle, to the book of Acts, it seems to be two different, distinct experiences that takes place <coughs> different times or simultaneously, but they are not the same. Okay? So they are not same. And anointing is a different teaching altogether. It's not the same. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is basically power to be a witness. Yeah, come father. It it comes,
1: okay? Shaking. Yeah,
0: shaking. And Paul lays hands upon them, okay? Paul did not blow or breathe upon them. Jesus did. He breathed upon them. He breathed upon them. He breathed upon his disciples. See, these symbols are used. Because these are symbols. These are symbols. Symbols are used only if those symbols have a correlation with the Holy Spirit in the Bible. Because breathing, the Holy Spirit is ruva, (laughs) is breath. Okay? So that is used. Okay? Breathe, you know. Um, um, Ezekiel in the Valley of Bones is asked to do different things. Prophesy prophesy over them even when you prophesy it is breath mm-hmm. okay it is breath and you things happening so you have to be led by God. only thing don't make it into a spectacle that's the only thing and then it comes a bill johnson i do not know i don't listen to him maybe once maybe i've listened bethel it has a supernatural school of miracles and seem to be practicing about heresies now, i'm not going to judge him what he does. But let me tell you this thing also about it. I don't understand this school. There are many schools like that. It's not my job to know which is authentic because I'm not involved in any of this. But let me tell you. If you read the Old Testament, Elijah, Elisha, they all had schools of prophets. Prophets. Mm -hmm. Meaning prophets need to be taught. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: What was Jesus doing? Jesus was teaching them how to minister. This is how you knew to minister. He gave them specific teaching when you go out how to minister, this is how you heal the sick, this is how you cast out demons, and some demons that do not come on what you need to go to the second level. So there are schools of prophets, schools of miracles, okay? How do you you know people need miracles? You're going into ministers, you're going to coming into India, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, Africa, over there, full of voodoo, witchcraft, black magic, sorcery, all that you going to minister among them without the gift of miracles. It's not going to work. They already tasted this. See, this is, all these things work in the Western world where they are all thieves. It doesn't work in the Eastern world which is full of sorcery. Full of sorcery. That is what is happening into Egypt. In Egypt when Moses goes, it is sorcery. It is battles between the living God and the gods of this world. And when you're fighting with people who know the power of the gods of this world, you need power. That's why you take your rod and do the signs, okay? And Jesus said, these signs shall follow those who believe, yeah. okay? And the Bible says, if I am right, it is Matthew or Mark. Mark chapter
1: 16. No, no, not that.
0: This is one last verse. I think it's Matthew. All authority. No, it is Martha's Mark. Son. Yeah, Mark chapter 16, 20. 16, 20 and they went out and preached everywhere the lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs okay why because they are in mission field wow. in mission field you will know that it it is needed it is needed people are demon possessed they are oppressed they have sicknesses all these things of so when you go into the mission field you will know preaching of the word is not enough it's not enough. A demonstration of power is sometimes needed. Ask Pastor Vidya and all, all of us when we went with Kanpur and all those places. You know? This thing, no? And that's a testimony. A you know? yeah, no, anyway, anywhere when you go to a non-believer's house, you know, And one of the things, if you look at non-believers in India, they will call a pastor for two things. One for healing, the other for casting out demons. They will call. They know. It works with you. You're God. And that's how they come to the Lord. And, hmm? the, and the fact of the matter hmm? is, none
1: of these religions have anything against the demonic. Yeah. They have a lot of teaching, yeah. but they are open to the demonic. They They're are open to, because they think
0: it is, it is kosher. Mm-hmm. All the pagan religions are open to the demonic. They don't know it is demonic, mm-hmm. but they are open to it. And how can we close our eyes when we know it is exactly that? So there is anointing, there is teaching. So we do not, I mean, if you do not subscribe to something, I would say this, unless you really know the in- working of it, stay away from it. But there is a deception. There's a lot of deception. The deception is in the doctrine. Mm. Not so much in the science. So don't look at the science. Look at the teaching. Look at the teaching. Okay? Yes. Final word forward there is Thessalonians. Nine, seven,
1: seven. Thessalonians.
0: Socrates. Okay? Chapter, no, second Thessalonians. Okay?
1: Yes.
0: Verse yes. chapter 2. Verse? Verse 9.
1: Verse 9.
0: And 10 and 11. Second Thessalonians chapter 2. The coming of the lawless one, okay, is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs and lying wonders. Now, What does it mean by a lying wonder? A wonder cannot be a lying, okay, meaning if you receive a miracle, it is a miracle. Okay, but what? With all unrighteous deception, so the issue is the wonder is lying because there is deception involved. Deception is in the mind. The wonder is experienced in the body. Among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they may be saved. So where was the issue? The issue was there was a false doctrine and a wonder. So the wonder became a lying wonder. It became a lying wonder. Can it save you? No. If you look at it, let me ask you this question. Moses goes into Egypt. First miracle, he turns the water into blood. Is it real? Yes. Yes. Did they turn water into blood? Yes. Is it real? Yes. Yes. But it's a lying wonder. Mm -hmm. Their turning of water into blood is not going to save Egypt. Mm -hmm. But Moses turning water into blood is going to save Israel.
1: Israel.
0: Uh, The miracles are the same. Mm -hmm. But one, the doctrine is right. The other, the doctrine is false. Yep. Okay, that is what he's talking about. So don't look at the science primarily. Don't look at the science. Don't get fascinated by the science of anybody's ministry. Look at his teaching. Look at his doctrine. Look at his teaching. And see if his teaching agrees to the word of God. One, is it a salvation by faith, by grace through faith alone? Does it teach about the sanctification work of the Holy Spirit? After that, Mm. does it teach you about not to love the world, teach you not to go back to the law? Look at the doctrine. Mm. Does it teach all these things? If the doctrine is right, because you can take people back to the law and have, I know people who Mm. teach the law have powerful signs, but the problem is the law. You go back to the law, you are under a curse. You're under a curse. So you can teach a false doctrine and have powerful signs. There are people who are extremely carnal and worldly and talk about going back to the world and becoming like the world who have powerful signs. But the doctrine is false. This is where we need to be very, very. But on the other hand, you look like Paul Washer or something. You have a doctrine which is kosher. Even if you don't have signs and wonders, it's fine. I mean, it's their laws. But the doctrine, you cannot be deceived cannot be deceived. Because your mind is your body may not receive a healing. Your body may miss out a lot of things over here. But your mind is fine. Mm. Mind is fine. Okay. Is it the full gospel? No. It's almost three quarters of the gospel. One quarter is missing. Quarter is missing. Okay. But the whole idea is can you do a deliverance? Can demon possessed people be set free if you go to them? Do you believe in casting of demons? Okay, Because that is also a ministry gift. You shall cast out demons. Do you believe in healing of the sick? Okay, Do you believe sick can be healed? If you don't believe, then why do you pray for the sick? Because okay. so you get into the fact of the matter is all these people do this. Does Paul Washer pray for healing? Of course he does. And you cannot go to a service or and not pray for the sick. They will come to you. You will pray for them. Okay. So you need to look at that. But the whole issue is with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which definitely with the scriptural authority over there, proof is that it is a second okay. experience. It can be simultaneous, but it's a second appearance. And there is always a visible manifestation. Okay. And then about praying in tongues. Okay, praying in tongues. You need to, let's, yeah, go further down, there it talks about, okay, yeah, go further down. And, okay, there are debates about the tongues, okay, specific, go up, okay, yeah, shaking wildly, exercise violent event. the entire church will be praying in spirit tongues without interpretation. Now, please understand, in the context of it, always look at context, okay, context, okay. You can have a church service, you can have a church service, and all the people, like we have a service over here. 20 people are here. All of our presence in the Holy Spirit. And it's a prayer service. Exactly. That's it's right. a prayer service. Mm-hmm. Precisely. It's a prayer service. And everybody is praying in tongues. It's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Nothing with that. It's not a regular church service where others also have come in. Yes. There are specific parts of this service. Okay? Specific parts of the service we need to understand. That is why even when we read... Corinthians 14, read it very carefully. You can have a prayer service where you pray in tongues. You pray in tongues because it's very powerful. The one who prays speaks mysteries. He's speaking to God and he's edifying himself. You can pray in tongues. There is power in it. But the issue is that it should not disrupt the others. So balance. That's what I said. Everywhere you need to see that. You have to balance. You have to balance Yes, for Fourteen talks about what is happening in the Corinthian church, is it's a Gentile church, meaning Gentiles are coming. And more and more Gentiles are coming and who are not saved. And suddenly you know what people are all half the people are praying in tongues, the others are sitting there and looking like idiots. And Paul says that's not good. It's not good, it's not right. But let us say the Corinthian church, the believers who pray in tongues have gathered for a prayer meeting. And they pray in tongues. Is there anything wrong in it? No, there's not anything wrong in it. Look at the context how he talks about it. Oh. You know, because everything we have to look at it very, very careful. This is where we have to be very careful. Otherwise, we will uh, what we say. Chapter fourteen. First Corinthians yeah. chapter fourteen. Verse 14, 13. Hmm. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. Okay. What is the conclusion then? I will pray with the spirit. I will also pray with understanding. I will sing with the spirit. I will also sing with understanding. Otherwise, if you bless with the spirit, how will he who occupies the place of the uninformed say amen at your giving of thanks, since he does not understand what you say? Okay, for you indeed give thanks well, but the other is not edified. I thank God. I speak with tongues more than you all. So, you look at the context in which he is talking about. Okay, so when there is a ministry of tongues, understand the difference. When some there's a ministry of tongues, one person is praying in tongues, another person is interpreting, and everybody says Amen. It's not a prayer meeting of tongues. The ministry of tongues. He's prophesying in in tongues. He's basically prophesying. The word of the Lord is coming. It's a word of knowledge. It's a word, and it says, you know, uh, come, verse twenty-two. Put it, therefore tongues are, are for a sign, not to those who believe, but to be unbelievers. But prophesying is not for unbelievers, but for those who believe. Therefore, if the whole church comes together in one place and all speak with tongues and there come in those who are uninformed or unbelievers, will they not say that you're out of your mind? So where does the problem come? The problem comes only when uninformed or unbelievers comes. Otherwise there is no problem. Problem. There's no problem over there. But when they come and you know, you always have to think about them. Always have to think about what we say. Always have to care about the weak. Always have to care about those who do not. I'm not saying they're necessarily the uninformed, the unsaved are weak. We have to keep them in. Will they not say that you're out of your mind? Okay. In verse. But if all prophecy, an unbeliever, an uninformed person comes in, he's convinced by all, he's convicted by all. That is why the Bible says. Okay. Look over there. Okay. Come then. Verse 26 uh 26 uh this is talking about ministry in the church how is then brethren whenever you come together each of you has a psalm has a teaching has a tongue has a revelation has an interpretation let all things be done for edification this is ministry if anyone speaks in a tongue let there be two or at the most three each in turn and let one interpret this is talking about ministry it's talking about this is not talking about praying in tongues praying in tongues. This is talking about ministering in tongues. At the most, in a service, let two or maybe three speak in tongues. And somebody has to interpret. If there is no interpreter, let him keep silent in church and let him speak to himself and to God. Okay. So we are not talking about praying in tongues. Many churches they have a specific time when they pray in tongues, and when the whole congregation prays in tongues, the whole the whole what you call the the worship team breaks out singing in tongues, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and there is incredible symphony. And you know what? The anointing comes in. Okay, so we have to look, but it all has to be in order. That is the issue. The issue is in order. Okay, that is verse thirty-three. A God is not a God of disorder, author of confusion, but of peace. And as in all the churches of the saints. Okay. Yeah. Okay. yeah. 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 The spirit of the prophets are in control. Okay, So basically it is talking about order. But that is where the leadership always has to be in control. Otherwise people will go. This this is basically all written over there. It's a new church starting and churches start. Gifts are coming in. And how to use these gifts in order. That there is no disorder in the church. And when people know and charismatic, there happens confusion and chaos. And that chaos uh, brings in Others start looking down and say, you know what, this is not of God. This is not of God. Okay, this is not of God. And that's where we have to be careful. Okay. Otherwise, what will happen in the Saul case, where Samuel said three companies of the, they will say this is not of God, but everybody is prophesying. Saul comes, he also falls down and he also prophesies. But it is of God. But think about a situation like that. If it was not written and we saw it and we will say, you know what, this is demonic. Look at these fellows who are prophesying over this it. it is all demonic. Look at them all lying over there. They are all demonic. But you know, it was not demonic. It was actually of God. Of God. It was actually of God. It was not demonic. It was actually of God. Okay, so we have to be very careful. Use discernment, new covenant. All these gifts are still there. Offices are there. But look at the doctrine. The key is doctrine. And then... The science will follow. But if the science are there, the doctrine is false. Ignore the science. Don't look at the science. Don't follow the science. Okay. Follow the doctrine. Doctrine is important. Yes, Pastor Vijay, any other question in that? That's Uh, it. uh, That's
1: question number three is totally answered. That actually answers Hmm. quite a few other questions, Pastor. Hmm. Uh, In fact, question number four, as Hmm. well as uh, question number five and six. Uh, yeah, they all kind of. Get yeah, read
0: read that person who asked that question. question read that. Five, yeah. or four
1: yeah. almost i read. Yeah, I, I
0: personally said, thank God for the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the gift of tongues in my life from 2005, when I needed the most amidst severe persecution in my family, and the only way I could battle in prayer at home has been in tongues, and which is true. Mm-hmm. And this child who was the only one saved in her family, and you will realize a lot of people who are saved from unbelieving backgrounds, they are not even allowed to pray. What kept them going was God baptized them in the Holy Spirit and they kept on praying quietly in tongues. I'm um, amazed doctrinally sound Southern Baptists or Evangelicals refute these gifts. For example, John Piper was earlier accused for desiring the gift of tongues. Deliverance is another subject they may not focus on. Having said that, the question is about the mishandling of the word manifest and using this to obtain manifest the answers to prayer. What's the right biblical use of this word Manifest. Okay, it's a little confusing question, but you know what? For everything there is a manifestation.
1: Mm.
0: It's a manifestation. It's a manifestation of everything. Righteousness also ultimately will be manifested outwardly. Yeah. No, I am inwardly only righteous. Outwardly I am a reprobate. No, you can't be. No? Ultimately, in the old, the law only touched the outside. It didn't touch the inside. That is so. Symbol of the people walking in the desert. Mm. Their clothes did not wear off, their sandals did not wear off, they held the, the souls were dried up. In the new covenant, it's the other way around. It's inside out. So there will always a, uh, there is a manifestation. But again, like I said, does the manifestation follow the doctrine? Like I said, everywhere the 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 that is why teach things which are appropriate to sound doctrine, Mm -hmm. sound doctrine. People need doctrine, okay. People need doctrine. Otherwise, it's a house without pillars. When the wind blows, the whole thing will come
1: off. Okay. Next next one. So, question number five also says: Several Pentecostal churches still use anointing oil, Mm. either their own oil they prayed over or from Israel Mm. to pray for healing. Also, in the event of a believer moving to a new home, mm. it's a practice to take oil or water with salt and apply on the posts and pray for, the, for God, God's protection, etc. Mm. Is it biblical in the New Covenant days to apply oil or sprinkle water and salt and pray?
0: Okay. Now, again, like I said, all these are symbols. All these are symbols, okay? And symbols have meaning because the symbol is connected to something powerful. Turn between the book of James. Okay. Book of James. I may need your yeah. It's okay because chapter my five. my James is missing. Pages are missing.
1: Yeah, James chapter five. We go to the point where it says let him. Let yeah,
0: chapter thirteen. Uh, five thirteen. Yeah, fourteen, fourteen. Yeah, yes, possibly, five fourteen. Okay. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call for the elders of the church. Let them pray over him, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. Okay. Now, the simple thing is that. Why did you bring oil there? Why did you bring the oil there? Because the oil is a
1: symbol.
0: Mm-hmm. Oil is a symbol. Okay? Oil is a symbol. Oil was used in the Old Testament. Oil is being used in the New Covenant.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Oil is being, okay? Kerchiefs are may being used. Why? Because the anointing was resting on the kerchief. Okay? So, the anointing is resting on the oil and the oil is a symbol of the holy spirit so if you can anoint a person with oil for healing you can anoint your house for protection that is the fundamental principle if anointing will work in one place it should work in the other place too mm-hmm. right it will work in another place too because you are believing in it okay and so you need to understand that was how it was done in the old testament and that's the one it is being done in the new testament also believing in the same god mm-hmm. that the anointing is a symbol of the anointing like the emblems we'll use tomorrow for communion. communion these are symbols mm-hmm. but there is a power in that symbol because it's an anointing that rests upon the symbol
1: mm-hmm.
0: okay it's an anointing that rests upon the symbol so it has the power to make us well there's a power to awake us to strengthen us Okay, it has, because it's an anointing that rests upon that. Then when you come to salt, when you come to salt in the Old Covenant, let me give you this salt reference. Okay, I want you to go to... 2
1: Kings chapter 3. guess. 2 Kings chapter 3. Yeah, 2 Kings chapter 3. No. One second, one second, I'm curious. Oh, chapter 2, chapter two? Second
0: Chronicles chapter 13, verse 5. Oh, okay. Leviticus 2, 13, and Numbers 18, 19. Okay, Second Chronicles 13, 5. Should you not know the Lord God of Israel gave the dominion over Israel to David forever to him and his sons by a covenant of Saul? Covenant of salt. Okay, Leviticus 2. 13. two thirteen. Every offering of your grain offering, you shall season with salt. Mm-hmm. Shall not allow the salt of the covenant of your God to be lacking from your grain offering. With all your offering, you shall offer salt. Numbers eighteen nineteen. Okay. All the heave offerings of the holy things which the children of Israel offer to the Lord I have given to you and sons and daughters with you as an ordinance forever. It is a covenant of salt forever before the Lord with you and your dissonance with you. Okay. One of the fundamental things about the salt in the covenant, salt in the covenant is that you take a glass of water and you put a grain of salt into it. It completely dissolves into it. It is talking about the permanency of the covenant. Mm. Preservation is one thing, but that is good. But primarily about salt, it's the permanency. You cannot then distinguish the water from the salt, the salt from the water. It becomes one. Okay. So it is talking about when people use water and salt, you are talking about the permanency of the covenant they are making with God. I'm dedicating my house to you forever. Amen. It belongs to you forever. So understand the meaning behind the symbols. So once you understand the meaning behind the symbols, whether you do it that way or don't do that way, it is perfectly fine. There is nothing wrong, and unless understand, you see, the whole thing is that: do you believe in what you are doing? Mm-hmm. Otherwise, you can take communion tomorrow, and nothing will happen. But if you believe the communion has the power to set you free, to forgive you, to strengthen you, to awaken you, it will work Mm. in the same way. You're using a symbol. And symbols are very powerful. The cross is a symbol. The most powerful symbol ever is the cross. The cross is a symbol. The cross is where sin was judged. The cross is a symbol. And you cannot take that symbol away. So there are Old Testament symbols which have spiritual meaning in the New Covenant. And if we understand the meaning, the truth that you're talking about, the truth of it, okay? Now the truth can stand on its own with or without the symbol. Mm. So we can have a church without the emblem of the cross anywhere because the emblem is deep inside us. But when we build our own place, will we have a cross? We'll Absolutely. have a cross. Absolutely. Okay. But can we put a cross over there? Now? No, we cannot. No. It's not our space. So because we don't have a symbol over there, does it take the cross out of our lives? No. no. Because you have a symbol outside, does it mean you have a cross in your life? No. So understand symbols and understand the truth behind it. And if you understand the truth, you can have it with or without the symbol. With or without the symbol. Okay. But certain symbols have lost its meaning. Therefore, it has a time, what you call it, uh, time limit, Mm. expiry date. Passover has an expiry date. Mm. So today you become a believer and then you go to all these messianic things and start celebrating (laughs) Passover. It has doesn't make any sense because it has an expiry date. Why? Because Christ is the Passover lamb. Christ is the Passover. Lamb. You cannot have Passover and communion at the same time. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because Passover is only once a year. Communion is as many times as you can, mm-hmm. technically. So, certain symbols in the Old Testament have expiry date. Expiry date. That is why you cannot have Bakreed. Muslims celebrate ba- Bakreed. If Jews wanna celebrate Passover, but Christ's son Christ died on the cross. It has an expiry date. It does not have any meaning anymore. So there are certain things which have an expiry date, certain things which is a symbol with a spiritual truth. So whether you do it with oil or whether you want to do it with salt and water, you don't do it either. Oh. You just, by faith, you lay your hands upon your house and say, oh, whatever God has given you and say, Lord, I dedicate to you. That's how we do our dedication. Okay, you can lay hands upon the sick and pray. You can anoint them with oil and pray. Both are there in the scripture. Jesus says, if you lay hands upon the sick, they shall be healed. If anyone is sick in the church, call the elders, let them anoint with thee. And you can pray on the phone and also get healed because he will send. All these things are there. Only thing, we are not dogmatic about it. That's all I have to say. But... Watch out for doctrine. The key is doctrine. Uh-huh. Look at, at the Like I said, the road to life is very narrow. Uh-huh. Two broad ditches on both sides. They don't look like ditches. They look like ditches nobody would go. They <laughs> look like velvet highways. Yeah. One is the law, the other is the world. And if you look, where is this man of God taking me? Is he taking me to the right or is he taking me to the left? Or is he keeping in the middle path? Okay, that is where people like Paul Washer and Zach Bon have kept people on that narrow path. They may not operate in gifts, but they kept the people on their narrow path narrow path, you know so ultimately the doctrine is right. If they don't manifest gifts. that's why the doctrine is the doctrine is not going to destroy anybody. Which would you prefer in eternity? A church where the doctrine was right, and reached to eternity, a church where the doctrine was wrong, full of gifts. Isn't the entire two letters of Corinthians correcting their doctrine? Yep. Are they full of gifts? Yes. Is he telling them to stop any of the gifts? No? No. Continue with the gifts. Let you have doctrine. Get your doctrine right and let there be order in your church. Continue with all the gifts. Actually, we are grateful for those two letters because we understand so much about the gifts from them. Even imagine Kaput church. Really coupled church. If the church hadn't been coupled, would we even get 1 Corinthians 13 where we hear about love? Why? Because the doctrine of love also was wrong there. Mm. So he had to give a doctrine about what true love is. Okay, so everywhere you see God working it out so we have a very sound doctrine and doctrine matters. Yes, Pastor Vijay, we'll close. We'll close in prayer. And tomorrow we'll be at church for communion. Sunday. Father, we just thank you. We praise you. We worship you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We are here. We are in your presence. We believe, Lord. We answered. I believe, Lord. I pray that my answers are right. And if they were wrong, somewhere wrong, you would give a check in the spirit of the hearers, Lord, because there's only one who is infallible. That's you. Amen. There's only one in whose mouth no wrong, no deceit was found. It was you. There's only one who never erred in his word. It was you, Lord. And we all make mistakes, Lord. So if there is any mistake, I pray you will correct it in the hearers, Lord, or oh Father. For let God be true and every man a liar, Lord. Because you have magnified your word above all your name. Thank you, thank you, Father, thank you. We come in the night into the hands and I pray and I plead the blood of Jesus over your people. We stay under the blood that cleanses us, sanctifies us, speaks for us, protects us. And above all, defeats the enemy that comes against us, O Lord. Here and around the world, whatever time zones they are in, protect your people, Lord. Thank you for everyone who sent the question. And I pray the others too will be blessed. Help us to be sound in our doctrine. Help us to be moderate, temperate in all things in life, Lord. Because excess will take us to the wrong place, O Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you. We bless your holy name, Lord. We bless your holy name. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 God bless you.